0: Find your way back to your seats. If you want to just go ahead and grab that connection card in front of you, you can also mark that you're interested in matchmaking. Um, Just another one of the services we offer uh, here. Actually, no, Noah and Tori were my only uh, success in that so far, so may their tribe increase. We're in Acts chapter 17 this morning, so if you have a Bible, you can turn to Acts 17 verse 22. It'll also be printed for you uh, in the bulletin. As you turn there, just let me uh, say how thankful I am to be back here. Uh, Some of you were here last week. You heard a little bit of the story of our sabbatical over these three months, and so it's been three months since I've been standing behind this pulpit, and Uh, It's just a privilege to be back here and to have this week to get re-engaged and to sit down with the Word of the Lord and to uh, think about it for this Sunday. just been a privilege to return to that. And we're going to spend just a few weeks uh, reorienting ourselves as I get back into this. We're going to start a book uh, here in a few weeks. Uh, If you are new or newer here, our normal kind of course of, of studying the Bible is that we look at Books of the Bible. We try to look at them whole, passage by passage, uh, trying to submit ourselves to uh, not just the content of God's Word, but how He has laid it out for us, uh, believing that He has a purpose in uh, giving us that Word in the way that He gave it to us. However, it's also good from time to time to uh, to to look at the forest rather than just the trees of the individual passages of the Scripture, and to tie together themes. And so about 30% of the time we we do that, about 70% of the time we're in books, and that's just a rough estimate. But for the next few weeks, I wanted to orient us towards a topic that has been on my heart through the sabbatical, through the time uh, as I've been reflecting on it, and it's the theme in God's Word of drawing near to God. The Scripture tells us that one thing that's theologically true of God is that He is near to us. And yet if we ask most people in this room, our experience of God is often that he is not near to us. In our experience, sometimes we feel like he's very far away or sometimes we say that we've gone far away from him. And so I want to spend a few weeks talking about the nearness of God and that that truth about God, which is evident throughout the scriptures, Is something that we can lean into, trust in, and ultimately delight in, because the nearness of God is something that is beautiful, compelling, and an amazing truth about Him. So I want to begin today by looking at Acts chapter 17, a famous passage where Paul addresses the, the people in the city of Athens and at this time, Athens is pretty much the cultural capital of the world. It's like New York City. This is the place where ideas are exchanged. And he goes there and he observes, not in the passage that we're about to read, but right before it, uh, he observes that the, the city is full of idols. And the word that he uses there, full of idols, actually it means directly the city was under idols. It was like sagging under the weight of religiosity of searching and so paul is moved by this and he goes in day by day and he reasons in the temple with the fashionable philosophers of the day the epicureans the stoics And he reasons amongst them, and he tells the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some people think he's crazy, and some people think he's compelling. And the group that think he's compelling, they drag him to the Areopagus. Areopagus. This stage where he can talk in an official capacity about the faith. And that's where we pick it up, his address in this Areopagus, verse 22. Let's read this together. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man By a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. This is the word of the Lord. This is clearly a powerful, famous passage, and there's a number of ways that we could look at what Paul does here, and we should do those things, and we should talk about them in various contexts. For instance, we could talk about how Paul has a strategy here for what we sometimes call apologetics, which is a term for the defense of the faith. Sometimes this passage is used to talk about evangelism, The idea that we reach out to culture and we find things in common with them the way that Paul says, I perceive that you're very religious. And he builds a bridge, this gap. And that, of course, is a very good thing to talk about as well. But the focus of today, as I introduce for us this little short series, is I want to talk about how Paul invites them into this Christian experience by showing them the nearness of God. That is his climax of what he speaks about before he tells them how they have it. He moves to this point where he says, God is not far. The nearness of God. The Scripture talks about James chapter 4. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Jeremiah 29. You will seek Me and find Me when you seek Me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I just wanted to say as we begin this short series, the overall point, the overall thing that I want us to walk away with is this. That anything that we are experiencing, anything that we are experiencing, whether it's pain, whether it's loneliness, maybe there's a season of joy, maybe there's something great going on in your life, the positives, the negatives, anything gives us a way that we return to God being near. Any one of those things can be a path back to seeing Him as the greatest good because in our hearts there's always this pursuit that the passage talks about that we're searching around and we're feeling for things and maybe we'll find (coughs) God. But He's actually not far from any one of us even though we sometimes feel that we feel sometimes that the story of our lives is a story of walking away from him that we can move further and further away through our sin through our experiences of pain through our loneliness through whatever it is we're moving further and further away from him that's what it can feel like but actually he is not far this summer, when we had the opportunity to be on the sabbatical, one of the things that we did was we fulfilled the lifelong dream of taking the kids to Orlando and going to Disney World. And so we experienced four days there. The day we were in Epcot, uh, the kind of the classic uh, Disney park, we went to a classic ride they've had around for a long time called Mission Space. And uh, Mission Space is great. Myself and the three boys uh, went on the ride. Becca graciously you know sat this one out. I wish I was with her by the end. Um, because you've experienced the g-force right of, of going into space and so we get into this thing, this ride, this simulator that's what style of the ride it is. It simulates a mission to Mars and so you walk through these different areas and they give you what your marching orders are and there's going to be four of you in this simulator and, um, and you each have a mission to do at the right moment you need to push this button so that everything comes together and then you load up into the simulator this little tiny claustrophobic box and it lifts off the ground but it doesn't go very far but inside you're facing a screen and there's buttons all around you and there's other things that affect the experience they're even blowing air a little bit into your face and Uh, They tilt the box upwards. And then you feel the G-force on your face as you go out into space. And it's very surreal. You go to Mars. And then you return back to Earth after completing your mission. And it's daring at the end. And things are about to explode. And you actually land safely on the ground. You know, when you're in that intense experience, the thing that I was trying to like get myself back to, as I was a little too scared that I'm willing to admit, um, was I had to remind myself, I'm really just two feet off of the ground. I mean, it feels like I'm, I'm way out. It feels like I've actually traveled somewhere and it really does feel that way. But the reality is, is that that's not true. The reality is, is I'm two feet off of the ground. Even though I've experienced something like going far away, the ground is not far from me. What I'm experiencing is actually a virtual reality. Not true reality. It's virtual. And what Paul seems to be saying to us this morning is that when we believe that we are far from God, that is actually a virtual reality. In reality, we are not far from Him. As Paul moves into a city that is literally sinking under the weight of idols, a place of fashionable philosophy, a place of twisted morality, some things that we are familiar with, Paul's message to these people who have gone seemingly so far away from him, seemingly have embraced everything that God is not, is that he tells them God's not far. You're feeling your way. You're getting close. And let me tell you what is true. Verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet, he is actually not far from each one of us. Love the specificity. It's not just that God is near in a general way. He is is near to each one of us. And so what I want us to see is this today. Despite what I may feel, God is not far from me. Despite what I may feel, God is not far from me. Children, God is not far from you. Even though you may not understand everything that I say up here, you may not understand everything that your parents say, God is not far from you. Exhausted moms who feel like the spiritual aspect of their life has kind of faded away and completely been submerged in the reality of just taking care of a child. God is not far from you. Addicted sinner. Whatever it is that you filled your life with, that seems with every instance of failure, you get further and further and further away from Him. God is not far from you. Why? Why is that true? I want to talk about that for just a few minutes and then we'll close by asking how we can close that short distance because he is not far how do we get there but first why is it true that god is not far and we will give three answers from this passage where paul tells the athenians the story of christianity and the first reason that he gives for why god is not far is that we live in his story It's impossible for us to be far away from God when we actually live in His story. What He paints for us is that God is the absolute author of everything, He is the sovereign. And so, when we think of the world as a place where we can escape from God, even if we intend to or don't intend to, we have a mistaken view of the world because the world is God's, it's His stage of redemption. Verse 24 through 27 shows us these little reasons. First in verse 24, he tells us that God is the creator, so he doesn't need to be created. The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Not only is God the creator, he is also the sustainer. Verse 25, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since He Himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. The God who made the world is the God who sustains the world. It's not as though He needs something from us. It's that we need something from Him. Namely, life, breath, and everything. Not only that, He is the sovereign over human history. Verse 26, And He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. He is the sovereign over human history. He determined allotted periods and boundaries. He's not the kind of God who is a life force that creates life and then creates the stage and then watches to see how it plays out. He is actively involved in how it plays out. He plans the end from the beginning. He even plans, this is controversial in some circles, our own desires for Him. Verse 27, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. That they should seek God. God created these boundaries and these time periods so that we would seek God the... The impulse towards the search that all of us have that the Athenians clearly had as they carved idol after idol as the whole city was sinking under the weight of their search, that impulse towards Him is given by Him. So we can find Him. One of the reasons that He appoints times and places is for us to find Him. So the point is, We live in His story, inescapably. It's His stage, as Shakespeare has reminded us, right? All the world's a stage. And all the men and women, merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. But the stage just continues. The reason why God is not far... any one of us is because he created the stage, sustains the stage and gives us a desire to be on the stage we live in his story secondly though we share in his life the way that God is not far from us the reason why he's not far from us is because we live in him, Paul quotes two Greek poets in verse 28, he says, For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Quoting first Epimenides of Crete. And then he quotes a poem called Phenomena by Aratus, another Greek poet. He's saying, wisdom from your own sources confirms, even though they're pagan sources, even though they don't follow the one true and living God, He's going to get to that point. He says they're not far off because even they can see that for anything to have meaning, for anything to be true, to be a source of truth, it would have to be that we are in some way united with the ultimate truth. We would have to be in God. And that's why Paul says, We shouldn't try to make a God. In verse 29, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think of that divine being like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. We shouldn't make God into our craft or our imagination. Because the moment that we do, we begin to start thinking of God as part of us. Something that we can create and put somewhere. But he says, stop thinking about God as part of your life. That's, not, that's exactly backwards. He is not part of your life. Your life is a sharing in with Him inescapably because He is the source and the ground and you can never be far from the Creator of life. And so all of life is found in Him. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, this is doubly true. Because not only is our life created in Him and sustained by Him, but now in the Gospel, We have an eternal union with Him through Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, you have died. If you are a follower of Christ, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with Him in glory. God is not part of our life. We are part of His. Therefore, it is improper for us to ever speak of being far. Or Him being far from us, because in Him we live and move and have our being. The third reason why God is not far is that we await His judgment. We live in His story, we share in His life, and we await His judgment. To what Paul says in verse 31 because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And of this time He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. God knows the end from the beginning. And it's coming together exactly as He planned it and appointed it. And in a sense, what Paul is saying is everyone will see how close God is one day. Because He comes in judgment to judge the world with righteousness. And so we cannot be away from Him. We cannot flee His stage of redemption. We must respond to it, whether now or later, because He has appointed that end. And all of this is just to prove to us this morning that despite how we may feel, our own experience of God and our own experience of our sinfulness or of our pain or whatever, our longings that seem to just kind of pull us away from God, we cannot be far from Him. One of the lives that demonstrates this so clearly is that of St. Augustine, who we prayed his prayer earlier. And he spent, as he describes it in his book, Confessions, a master work. he talks about the first half of his life as running away from God. And the story of the confessions, the story of, of, his, of his return to God, is the story of an extremely bright person <clears throat> bright person, trying out the best idols of the world around him. He tries out the idol of learning. He's well-educated. He is a distinguished education. He tries out the idol of success. He is an orator, a lawyer. The idol of lust and pleasure. For ten years, he gives himself to that. As he describes it with these phrases in the confession. I revisited it this week. He calls it a hissing cauldron of lust and whirlpools of vice. He went in 100% into whatever he did, his education, his success, his pleasure. He tried all those things, still felt empty, I'm going to turn to religiosity. He gives himself to occult religion, Manichaeism, a Gnostic religion that happened, just so happened to play into all of his vices. Vices like superiority and self-knowledge. And for years, he professed that faith. But you read his confessions, it reads like this passage in Acts. Like the Athenians, he is weighed down, sinking under the weight of his idols. And seemingly getting farther and farther away from the truth, until one day, as he describes his conversion, famous story, where he is sitting and he hears children playing, and that they keep repeating is "Tole lege, Tole lege," which just means "take up and read." And Augustine thinks that's a weird game. I've never heard kids play a game called "Tole Tole lege." And so he interprets this as the words of the Lord to him. And so he takes up the Scriptures and he reads Romans 13 and he sees that it's not in the pursuit of lust or the flesh where you have life, but actually put on Christ and he puts on the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to listen how he describes it. In in his Confessions chapter 8, he says this belatedly, I love Thee, O oh, beauty so ancient and so new. Belatedly, I loved Thee, for see, Thou wast within, and I was without. I sought Thee out there. Unlovely, I rushed heedlessly among the lovely things Thou hast made. Thou wast with me, but I was not with Thee. These things kept me far from Thee, even though they were not at all, unless they were in Thee. Do you see what he is saying? I ran away, but I was running amongst inescapably the things that you created. Good things were around me, and they they wouldn't even be there if it weren't for you. And so it wasn't actually running far from you. He goes on to describe that when he turned in this pursuit away from God, he found God to be immediately in his face. Turns out that God was not far. And this is from the one who tried to run farther than nearly anyone else. Some of you may be giving St. Augustine a run for his money. 100% into whatever we're doing. 100% believing that this is where life is. But he could not escape from the fact that God was near. And that everything that he was enjoying Or pursuing or believing in was somehow connected back to the one who gave him those desires in the first place. God was not far. We live in his story, on his stage that he created, that he sustains, that he gives desires for. We share in his very life. We await his judgment. All the story from beginning to end is His. Therefore, He is not far from us. And that may be true. It is true. As the Scriptures tells us, that is true. But how does it help us if we feel that way? It may be true that God is not far from me. It may be just the two feet off of the ground, but at times the two feet can feel like an impossible leap to make. How do we get back to Him the short distance? Well, Paul tells us in verse 30. He gives one word of return. Verse 30, the time of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. Repent. That is what he tells the Athenians, who are listening to him perhaps for the first time. If we are far from God in our own thoughts, if we feel that we are far from him, there's really only two reasons why we would feel that way. And either one of them could be true of you. It could be true that you're looking for a place that you've never really found. That you feel far from Him because you've always felt like you were outside. You've always felt like you don't really know what is true. And maybe you don't even know if God or the God of the Bible is even the right word for it. Maybe you think that you're pretty spiritual. Maybe you think that you are religious or you are a good person. Maybe not. Maybe you don't think that. Perhaps there is some religiosity to your life. Maybe when somebody's going through a hard time, you say, I'll pray for you, but you really don't. If you do, maybe it doesn't feel like you're really connecting to anything and you don't really know if what you're professing to be true is true. It could be that you feel far from God because you have never feel, felt like you've found the place where He is. It could also be true. I think it is true for many of us in different seasons of our life that it's not that we're, not, that we're looking for a place we've never found, but we've drifted from a place that we've lost. You once felt near to God. You once felt like you were close. You have once felt like you were growing. But over time, it has felt like an altar here. An altar added here. An altar there. Giving your time to your... Uh, Retirement, to your kids, to your uh, success and your ambition, and none of those things are wrong, they're good things, but you start building little altars here, and the, your heart gets divided into lots of different areas, And, and subtly, over time, what you've actually done is God's still in your life, but He's an altar that's largely unknown. Largely is something that is part of the big picture with everything else. Paul says, no matter why, you feel far from Him if you do. The return is the same. It is through repentance. That's what he says. All people everywhere commanded to repent. The good news is that the return is always the same. What does that repentance look like? What did Paul want the Athenians to do? He wanted them to see that their religiosity, their desire to pay tribute to lots of different things, while it was good, it lacked a single focus. It lacked an object. It lacked seeing God, the unknown God, as the king of everything else the thing at the top which places everything else in its correct place. You know, my experience is that we think of ourselves as pretty complicated. We think that we are, uh, you know, we have a sophisticated story. We think that I'm a mess of tangled beliefs. We have some big questions that we're wrestling through. We have some past experiences we're wrestling through. Um, We have... Uh, conflicting emotions about our levels of sincerity. I don't know if I really believe this or if I kind of halfway believe this. And we kind of think of ourselves as very complicated on the inside. And then it's tempting to think that because the running away from God, so to speak, has been complex, that the return must be somehow complex as well. That we have to unwind everything that we don't fully understand or have Worked through. But that is not the message that Paul gives to this group who have built their city full of complicated truth. He says, Repent. The answer is actually simple. Not easy, but simple. It wasn't easy, of course, for the Athenians who devoted their whole lives to building these systems or walking away from God. How simple was it for, How easy was it for them to hear one message from Paul in the space of like a, a 30, 40 minutes, who knows? Like, but in a place of the, like a university setting where he's just describing the Christian faith, how easy would it have been for them to say, oh, you're Right. Everything we've been doing is wrong. It's been close, but totally misguided. How easy would that be for them to hear? Not easy, but actually simple to understand. And the answer is that some of them did receive it. It's exactly what you would expect would happen. happen. Verse 32, now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. Verse 34, but some men joined him and believed among them, whom also were Dionysius the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris. In the space of this time, this simple answer turned some people towards the Lord. Dionysius, Damaris, why are their names mentioned? Probably because they became leaders in the church. And Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, would have said, Oh, you know these names. Well, guess what? This is where it happened. This is where it went down, that they turned. They repented. It was from a sermon from Paul. It happened here. It's not easy, but it is simple. Whether we follow Jesus right now or not, the actual return is simple. Repentance. What does it look like? It means looking at everything that you've been trusting in. Everything that you've been believing in. Everything that you've been hoping in that is not the Lord Christ. Looking at all of those things and seeing them as good, but woefully insufficient. There's something perhaps previously unknown to you that ties it together. And that is God Himself, who is not far, revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, as the Scripture tells us. And the face is immediately there for all who turn to Him. For the first time, or the millionth time, the return is the simple way back to Christ. Thomas Keating, um, monk, very profound writings, he says this, every now and then, God lifts a corner of the veil and enters into our awareness through various channels as if to say, here I am, where are you? Come and join me. That has been my experience. That there are times in my life where God lifts the veil. Perhaps a moment like this in Athens. Perhaps a moment like this this morning where God lifts the veil and He shows us, here I am. I was never far away. I am here. Where are you? Draw near. Because I'm already here. I am not far from you is calling you to repent and to turn towards me and I will be there at your face let's pray